Well, as I said, thanks to Rick uh, for filling in for me as we were on a very short little vacation. Um, but it was really good, but we're really glad to be back with you all, back with our first family. And uh, today we are returning uh, to our series in the Gospel of Luke. And the title of the message this morning is The Better Part. And our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I remind you, this is not the word of men, but the word of the living God. Hear it carefully. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word abides forever. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon your word read. We pray that you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that we will not miss what you would teach us today, Lord Jesus, our great rabbi. We pray that your presence will be with us and that we will, Lord, be reminded again today to seek the better part. And we pray this now and ask for this help in the matchless name of our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, going back just a little bit, picking up, remember if you've been in here in the series, I've told you there is a dividing part in Luke's gospel. And that dividing part comes in Luke 9, 51. Previously, Jesus had made a turn in direction of his ministry. And he had set his face toward Jerusalem. Listen to what Luke 9, 51, that swing verse says. And when the days drew near for him to be taken up, that's not crucified, that's taken up into his ascension, into glory, returning to the Father. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
He was looking forward to going home to his father. He was not looking forward to what was facing him. And there have been a number of things that are already, as he has moved toward turning his face and moving more and closer and closer to Jerusalem. And today, he is very close to Jerusalem, but this is not going to be the last time he's in Jerusalem. But this time, he is very close, very close to the house of some friends that were very dear and precious to our Lord. Today, Luke tells us the story of two women who extended a warm and gracious welcome to our Savior on this part of his journey. Now, once again, we see Luke doing his typical, showing typical disinterest in strict chronological and directional matters. Have you noticed that about Luke? He's just riding along and all that. He says, and then he went over here and this place and did such and such. Doesn't give you all the details. Doesn't tell you always where he is or which mountain he's on. You see, those things don't seem to matter to Luke. He's got other fish to fry that are far more important in his gospel reckoning. He doesn't even tell us, in this case, where Martha and Mary lived. Now, John does. He tells us that they lived in a little village called Bethany. But Luke has his own purpose. So he doesn't tell you, but I'm going to tell you. Say, where's Bethany? Well, that's a village, again, a small village near the southeastern side of the Mount of Olives. So all you got to do is find a map, find the Mount of Olives, and it's going to be on the, if that's the Mount of Olives, the screen is the Mount of Olives, it's over here on the southeastern side. And Jerusalem is over there. Uh, if you're looking, depending on, you know, if you're looking to the screen there. Um, now, what might he be up to? Why did he basically, doesn't seem to be that concerned about the details, but he does have a purpose. It is plausible, I think, that he's putting two things juxtaposed, side by side, in a compare and contrast. And that is what's already, what's going to happen today in this text that we are reading today. And the one, remember, not long ago, in the Good Samaritan, who was Jesus encountering? An expert in the law. And I believe it's plausible that he wants to contrast Mary and this expert of the law that was in verse 25 and following. Listen to what Jesus praised his father, the way he praised his father in verse 21 of Luke 10, 21. And in that same hour, 
He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. He's taking Mary and putting her alongside and contrasting her with this lawyer. Remember, this lawyer was self-justifying. Mary is one of those little children. You see, the self to the self-justifying lawyer, the truth will be concealed. They won't get it. But to the little child, Mary, the truth, the truth will be revealed. Her eyes will be opened as she sits under the teaching of the greatest rabbi of all time. Now today's outline goes like this. The sisters, the serving, and the saying. The sisters, the serving, and the saying. That's hard to say, all those S's together. <laughs> I feel like, uh... all right, let's look at the sisters, kind of compare and contrast them a little bit here in our text. I'm going to read again uh, verses 38 and 39. Now as they, by the way, that they, being plural, means Jesus is not traveling alone. He's with people, and that's, that's going to impact some of what happens in this story. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, on their way to Jerusalem, meaning Jesus and his disciples, we don't know how many at this point, this particular point, were with him, whether it was all of them or if it was just some of them, but it's multiple, it's plural. Jesus decided to stop by one of his favorite places, the home of his friends, Martha and Mary, and of course, as you know, Lazarus. Uh, she and her sister, Mary, um, were some of Jesus' absolute best friends. And both, this is important we understand this in this text, both were, both Martha and Mary loved Jesus. Not just Mary, Martha and Jesus loved, uh, loved Jesus and welcomed him whenever he visited they were both excited and thrilled, and they wanted to, to be a blessing to him any way they could. Now, Martha, using her love language, which guess what that would be? <laughs> yeah, uh, service, uh, pro providing, yeah, perhaps gift-giving or whatever, but service certainly was right up her alley. She went right to the task of putting together a good spread 
for all these people that had come to her house. Because as I said, they were multiple. It wasn't just Jesus fixing a meal for him. Could have been all of the disciples. Could have even had more outside of that. Now, she didn't have the appliances that, that uh, we are blessed with today. Things were a lot slower in getting things done. And yet, here she is, scurrying around, trying to get everything set. And however likely, as I said, Jesus probably had a good number with him. It was evident that this was going to be one of those kinds of meals that needed all hands on deck. That was definitely clear as a bell. Now, as Martha was doing her part, she was no slacker. She was, she was a type A. She was, she was going to make sure the things got done, needed to get done in the right time. And so Martha was busy making the meal, but not long after she really got going, did she begin to realize, wait a minute, where's my sister? Elvis has left the building. Where is she? You know, she's not here. She's not helping. And so she starts looking for her. And you know where she finds her? Sitting right under the feet of Jesus. Now, a lot of people don't understand in that time, women were able to hear the teaching of Torah. They were not shunned away. They were able in synagogues to listen to the teaching of the Bible, of the Word of God. But what happened in this story would never have happened because she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. That would have been scandalous. That would have blown the minds of all of the righteous rabbis. That would have been completely off limits to be that intimate with the rabbi, to be at his feet. But you see, Mary didn't care. Mary loved Jesus, and she loved the Word of God, and she wanted to understand it better and get as close to the source as she possibly could. Now, finally, that's where Martha finds her. The feet of Jesus hanging on every word. Now, perhaps Mary should have known how hard Martha, her sister, was working. But if she did, there's no indication she just stuck right to listening to every word of Jesus and continued her laser focus on the rabbi as he taught. Now, as you can clearly tell, these sisters had very 
different personality profiles. Some of you have to do that in your, uh, whether you're uh, an employee or employer, you, you know about personality profiles and there's some, there's some real value in that. Um, and so I, ma I can imagine you already uh, um, have some things in, in your mind, but uh, let's listen to uh, Phil Riken, um, uh and he hear what he says about this. I thought this is really, I think, uh, really helpful. Um, Phil Riken is a pastor of 10th Presbyterian uh, Church in the PCA. Um, these two sisters had two very different personalities. Their characters are not hard to recognize in women we know today. Quote, Mary's bent, end quote, writes Joanna Weaver, was to meander through life, pausing to smell the roses. <laughs> I can't help but think of Ferdinand. Um, if some of you remember the children's book, uh, Ferdinand, he was always just get, going around and getting lost in just all the beautiful things and smelling the, the roses. Uh, Martha was more likely to pick up the roses, quickly cut the stems at the right angle, and arrange them in a vase with baby's breath and ferns. <laughs> Not surprisingly, these two women had two distinct ways of serving God. Martha served him with her hands, while Mary served him with her mind and her heart. Both sisters wanted to honor God with true devotion to Jesus Christ. There were some problems with Martha's attitude, as we shall see. But we do hear her injustice if we fail but we do hear an injustice if we fail to recognize the sincerity of her love for Jesus. Like Mary, this godly woman deserves our admiration. Now, Jesus is going to correct her. But we need to not also give Martha a, a bad rap on a lot of things that she did well. And she loved the Savior also. Now, that leads to the serving. That's the sisters. The serving, that's in verses 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. <laughs> I'm not sure it was that that uh, she may have put more emphasis than that. Um, but you see, Martha was feeling utterly overloaded. Her serving responsibilities were too big for her. As, as good as she was at this, she couldn't handle. And she was beginning to come frazzled. So, when there was a break in the action, she didn't, of course, run up and interrupt the, the rabbi, Jesus. But when there was a break in the action, she found Jesus and reminded him of her sister's unwillingness to help in the serving role. And she basically said, didn't you notice or, or, or care 
Mary had abandoned all her duties and left me, left her here, not helping in any way. You see, she wanted Jesus to intervene. That's the point. She didn't want to just emote. She wanted Jesus to come and basically grab Mary and say, get in there with your sister and help serve. That's what she wanted. Make her slacker sister <laughs> to carry her share of the load. Now, Martha's predicament, I think, perfectly describes the too muchness and messiness that so many women have to live with and put up with. I don't know how women do what they do. There's an old adage. <laughs> you know, most of you here probably, probably know it well and remember it. The old saying goes like this. A man's work is from son to son. A woman's work is never done. There's a lot of truth in that. A lot of truth in that. You know, guys, you know, there's not, not, not beating up down on you. I'm just saying they can do so much more. They can, they can accomplish so many things. We're more, more laser focused in general. I know when you start doing generalities, there's always exceptions. So give me a little slack. But we, our genders are different. <gasps> oh, no. No. Hope not. We're different. We're both made by God. Special and wonderfully made. But we don't have the same things. And praise God, you know, this is not men everywhere in the world or women everywhere in the world. We need each other. But in terms of what can be done and what can be done multitasking, there's no, there's no, no comparison. But you see, Martha, a man's work, I said that thing, Martha thinks the answer is more help. That's what she needs, and that's what she's asking Jesus for. I need more help. I can handle this, I can do this, but I just need a little more help. She goes to just pushing on through, but she is asking for some assistance. After all, surely she deserves that. Now, the third section here is the saying, and this is, of course, the saying, the words that Jesus speaks to Martha. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, it's important in all this to see that Jesus loved Martha as much as Mary. He wasn't playing favorites. He wasn't taking sides. But Jesus responded differently to Martha. Because something had gotten off kilter. It's all the good that Martha was doing and had done in this particular point in time. Martha didn't see the big picture. Mary did. And Jesus responded to Martha. He understood that Martha was stressed out and that many details she was trying to juggle and handle. Jesus was aware of that. He fully understood that. But the lavish meal that she was so desperately trying to make for him, yes, but especially when doing so, Martha was not taking the opportunity to spend time with Jesus. And Mary was. Mary was. Martha could have. Would have might have gone against the grain of her type A personality. But she could have. She could have sat down there too. But she did not. Mary had chosen to spend time with him. And Martha could have, but didn't. What she was doing was good. What Mary was doing was better. You see, Jesus says to Martha, and women and men everywhere, because this is across the board, men and women, in all your busyness, don't forget that only one thing is necessary. Only one thing matters above all others. All the stuff that occupies us, that grabs us, that, that frames us, all of that. There is one thing that is greater than them all, no matter what it is. And that one thing, that one thing is not the next thing to do on your to-do list. Hate to break that to you. That's not the one thing. I'm going to conquer my to-do list finally after all these years. Some of us, it's been that long. Some of us kind of go in and out with it. But you see, the one necessary thing 
is enjoying your Savior. The one necessary thing is spending time with Jesus. It's hanging around Him. She was physically doing it. We today do it spiritually. When we listen to the rabbi teach us through the word of God. You see, the necessary thing is enjoying Jesus himself. Let me show you something that's really just, this is just incredible. It's so rich. God says in the Bible that he himself is the portion or inheritance of his people. Listen to this. Psalm 73, 25 through 26. Who do I have in heaven but you, said the psalmist, and I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's got it. He's got the one thing. God, whatever happens, everything else can go to, you know, wear in a handbasket. But as long as I have God as my portion. It's all good. It's all good. It's okay. And there's nothing to be afraid of or to fear. But but that's that's great. That's a great truth. But oh, hang on. You see, God Himself is the portion or inheritance. Of his people. He's there for them. He will not leave them or forsake them. But grab this truth. Not only is the Lord our portion. (coughs) But we are his portion. Too. You should be falling over. Some of you. What? I know I need, I know God needs to be my portion forever, and I need that, yes. But you're telling me that God looks at the mess that I am and says, You're my portion forever. Can you wrap your head around that I can't that God would look at me that's that's the precious thing that's what I want in my world is you and you and you and you and you I know it's impolite to point but you'll get over it This is just astonishing. (coughs) Listen to Deuteronomy 
with me. 32.9. The Lord's portion is, wait for it, his people. His people. You and I, Christian, believer in Christ. God says, you're my portion. He said it other ways in Scripture, you're the apple of my eye. You see, but even that, we inherit him and he inherits us. But the rabbit hole goes even deeper still. You see, when Jesus is your portion and mine, remember what he said about Mary? What she did, that will not be taken from her. And that's exactly what God is saying to you, Christian, what I have in making you and calling you my portion, that will never be taken from you. I'm not going to get fickle on you. I'm not going to, oh, wait a minute. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't feel, I don't feel like I, does he love me? Does he love me not? Does he love me? Yeah. No. Forever. He will not, when Jesus is your portion, he will not be taken away from you. You're going to have him forever and always. The Lord is forever ours and we are forever his. And the cross and the tomb empty guarantees that for us. Isn't that an amazing gospel? Isn't that an amazing promise? Now, my friends, on a practical note, it's possible to be a Mary and Martha in one. Some people are, can do that. They can kind of do pretty well at both. Doing much service and enjoying close fellowship with Jesus. That's a, that's a pretty good deal. That covers a lot of bases. So don't always assume, well, I can only do this. Well, no. You can do that. You can serve and serve others and serve. But you also make sure that the one you're serving and Enjoying is your Savior, Jesus. It's not one or the other. It can be a both and. Put another way, do Martha's work with Mary's heart. But, but, if a choice is required, then we need to make sure that our priorities are straight. 
And what is that priority? Jesus, being with him, being connected to him, being in fellowship with him. We need to set our priorities and then choose the better part. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Help us to choose the better part. Lord, help us to not get so distracted, so carried away by the things of this world the things that we are, are meant to have influence and impact on. And yet, Father, so often we lose track and we get our priorities out of order and we don't pursue the better part of knowing you, Jesus, knowing you. There is no greater thing Help us to believe that and live that. In Jesus' name, amen.